everybody? How you doing? How you living? It is Justin Treese here tonight. There is no Austin Cunningham. He is traveling back home from that epic LSU-Alabama game. Still very, very jealous that he was able to go to that. He'll tell us all about his amazing weekend on our next episode. He also has a lot of explaining to do. He's a Texas fan. He went to that game, was rooting for LSU, was wearing an Alabama hoodie. We're all confused. Nobody knows who he was rooting for, who he wasn't rooting for, who he thinks the Heisman is. I don't know. Like, he he has a lot of explaining to do. It's probably going to be half of our episode next week. But, hey, Austin likes to talk, so we'll, we'll, we'll just listen and enjoy it. Let's just jump in to the games immediately. Let's just get to it. That's why you guys are here. I'm not going to talk to you guys about my weekend because all I did was watch football all weekend. So it was a good time. Let's start out with the Thursday night game. We have the Chargers versus the Raiders. And, man, I was not expecting the Raiders to keep up with what they were doing. I thought the Chargers were really going to get on one of their hot streaks to end this year. And they just they didn't get anything going all, all game. Uh, Rivers obviously started off sloppy interception that was returned to the house early in the game. It just felt like him and his receivers were never on the same page. His linemen were not looking good. They finally got the Melvin Gordon show going, but what you want from that is then to be able to go off of play action and get some big plays, and they just, they're just they not getting those deep threats. And I'm wondering if they're starting to really miss that, that Williams, who is now on Oakland, funny enough, but like he's the speedster that was able to – have that safety drop back and so then it made Keenan Allen even more dangerous with the with the crossing routes and I'm wondering if they're starting to miss that and Travis Benjamin I kind of think that was kind of going to be their guy for that and he's on IR Um, Mike Williams obviously is not that burner so you kind of have two of the guys just bigger body guys in Allen and Williams so that was rough to see. Uh, It was interesting to see that it's kind of really is turning into just the Gordon show Uh, Eckler obviously had the touchdown at the end of the game, but really didn't have that many touches. So that's interesting. Interesting to note. Um, Very similar to what they were doing earlier last year. Um, What else is there? I think that they do need more receiver help coming up in this upcoming draft. So I could see us diving into that for them in middle rounds. Obviously, they're not going to take another one in the first round, like how they do with Mike Williams. Like they just don't need that type of guy, but uh, there's a lot of speedsters in this draft class, so it would be interesting to see there. Uh, Austin and I both agreed here that this was going to be the J- Josh Jacobs show where he essentially wins the rookie of the year with this outing on national television. And honestly, he kind of had a quiet game for most of it uh, until the final two drives where, one, he scored a touchdown, and then, then the next drive is he just put the game away with a couple first downs. Still ended up with about – 75 yards and a touchdown which was is still good but I I honestly was expecting 150 from him so but he's still looking good uh this whole offense is looking good Carr is playing very well and nobody's really talking about it <clears throat> excuse me but he's just fitting into what Gruden wants it, it's really really fun to see he doesn't have that go-to weapon obviously with a b situation happening but he had five guys with five, four or five targets. Nobody had over four catches. But if you go down that stat line, you'll see that it's like 
four catches, four catches, three catches, three catches, two catches. He just spreads the ball out everywhere. And it really, it really showed during the end of that game where he was hitting Renfro a lot late, but he wasn't hitting him early in the game. So Oakland's going to be a real threat. I mean, they're basically tied for that division lead at this point, or no, sorry, a half a game back because KC hasn't had their bye yet. Uh, and they still got one more matchup with them. That's going to, it's going to end up being a huge game. And uh, Mahomes in that, Kansas City defense better be ready because uh, Oakland's not going to go out without a fight. Um, but overall, for this game, we've talked about it. I still think that a Rosen would be great in L.A. for them because Rivers still has another year left in him. He, I, I know he does. He's got one more year left in him. Bring in Rosen and let him sit behind Rivers for one year or half of year. And if I'm wrong and – they're ready to move on halfway through next year. You got a guy that's been in the NFL for a couple of years and can make all the throws. You just let him learn that system a little bit. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out with Phillip Rivers, though. Uh, I know that there's a lot of heat coming his way, which I don't think it was all – that loss was not all on him, but a lot of people think it was. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to the next game, and that is the Chicago Bears versus the Detroit Lions. Chicago ends up winning this one 20 to 13 and Trubisky looked like he, what he was in 2018, right? He, he had three touchdowns, something like 13 for 20 passing something in that area, 15 for 20 passing. I don't have the stat in front of me, but just making plays with his legs, like getting out of the pocket if he needed to, or just stepping up in the pocket and he really was targeting Allen Robinson after only one catch for him last week. You know that they made a point to say, hey, A-Rob's our best weapon on offense. Make sure you get him the ball. I think he had nine or ten targets that game. And then we've been saying this all season. I, you guys are probably sick of us saying this, but they had to get Taylor Gabriel involved in this offense. It's what makes this so deadly, like having that type of speed. Like if you have that crossing the – field you have a rob deep you get cohen out of the backfield like that's when you get this team this bears offense the creativity really going that and so they finally seem to be getting that going but back to trubisky this just feels like the classic golf reference of you have a couple good shots one or two good shots in your round you're like okay i'll come back and play tomorrow i'll come back and play next weekend like that's what trubisky is right now he is the one or two good shots you have in an entire round. And it's one of those things, if he has a couple more games like this, Bears fans, you're going to go into next year with Mitchell Trubisky still as your starting quarterback. The GM, the head coach, the coaching staff, they're all going to buy into it big. No, see, we're close. He just needs a little bit more tweaking. So just take that for what it's worth. Uh, some news that broke after our last episode was Mike Davis being released. And we talked about this early in the year about how Montgomery was not going to be like a one-headed monster there. It was going to be a two-headed monster because they paid Mike Davis quite a bit of money coming out of Seattle. And so they needed to do that. But now that they know what Montgomery can do, they were able to release him knowing that Cohen can be the number two there. So, I'm one, I'm very interested to see where Mike Davis goes. There's a lot of teams that need that running back, too. And, honestly, a division rival who they just played in this game 
in the Detroit Lions would be a great fit for him for them. Uh, with Ty Johnson going down with a concussion today, obviously Carrion Johnson's out for the year. So they need help at running back, and he could be a great fit because he's good out of the backfield and he can run it through inside the tackles. So that would be interesting to me. Uh, going back to Montgomery, he had, he, he had an okay game. This, the yards aren't going to be there. The care, yards per carry was – you know, mid threes, 3.5, I believe. And, but he just grinded out yards when they needed him to. So overall, if you're a Bears fan, you're happy with his performance. A guy that has been invisible all year and is going to be a cap cut next year is Trey Burton. He's, he's non-existent in this offense. And everybody thought after he signed the huge deal after the Super Bowl win with Philly coming into um, Chicago, he was going to be a vocal point in this offense. And he's just not. The tight end is just not being used here. So I'm sure they'll cut him this offseason, save a whole bunch of money there. Hate to see that, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there, uh, especially because Eagles ended up drafting Goddard. So they already have two tight ends. So he's not going to be going back there. So, um, he, he, watch him like end up with like the chiefs or something, and then just end up being a pro bowler behind Travis Kelsey. Like they'll just start running two tight end sets and Mahomes will just get him the ball left and right. Um, let's talk about Marlon Mack for a second. I, and I get that he gets double teamed a lot, but I watched a lot of this game, actually almost every play of this game. And he's kind of been, he gets the hurries, but he's just not getting there this year, which is strange. Like last year, he was really getting there. A couple years ago when he won defensive play of the year, obviously he was getting to the quarterback. He's just a step behind this year. He only has one sack in the month of October and November, given we're only 10 days into November. But October and November combined, one sack. Given Again, he is getting the hurries, so he's doing that part. But you're just not used to it from Marlon or from Marlon Mack. That's a running back with the Colts. I understand that from Khalil Mack. So um, that's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how that progresses as we start getting into really football weather it starts getting colder, starts getting, you know, snow on the ground, rain on the ground. Um, if that affects offensive linemen or if it affects him, like, does he start getting, those sacks numbers that we're used to seeing him get. Um, that's basically what I got with the Bears uh, for Detroit. Obviously, Stafford did not play. Uh, first game he's missed in a super long time. Had one of the longest uh, active starting streaks in the NFL. Back injury. Um, they say he's week to week, but I, I don't know, man. <clears throat> You're kind of, with this loss, you're kind of out of it. Even if you win out, you're only winning nine or ten games. Does that get you into the playoffs at this point? Obviously, you don't just sit him just immediately here. If he can play next week and you try to go on a run, you absolutely have to attempt that. I'm not saying that. But if he has to miss an, another game and then you lose and you're starting to like go into Thanksgiving knowing that eight wins is the max you can get, you have to start to wonder, like, what do they do? Um, obviously 
Bob Quinn and Patricia are probably on the hot seat. Are they going to, are their jobs on the line? If they are, obviously they're going to want Stafford to be playing, but if they feel like, Hey, we, we both have another year. We know that we're safe. It's probably safe to sit him. Just let him, let him rest up. He obviously had the back injury last year as well. So if you can have him, you know, if you put him on IR when you know you can only win eight games and then come into next year with him fully healthy, that's obviously the most ideal thing if you can't make that run at the playoffs. Uh, but for his backup, Jeff Driscoll, he played all right. He didn't play horrible. I mean, it, honestly, it's about what you expected from Driscoll. If you know Driscoll's history in college, um, when he was at Florida, he was good. Like he, he wasn't great, but he made some th- throws here and there, and he made a lot of plays with his legs. And that's what he was known for in college, especially at Florida. And he did it again today. He was make he kept drives alive. He kept plays alive, just moving around. So I was impressed by him. And I think if you're a Lions fan, you have to be pretty happy with the way he played. Uh, I don't think that loss was a necessarily on him. Obviously, he had one very bad interception. He stared down the guy, and that linebacker just came straight over and picked him off. But um, that's going to happen when you have a guy like him coming in. Like, you have to just expect that. But you you were just mainly hoping the defense that you ended up putting a, money, a lot of money towards would have made an extra stop or two that they just didn't make. I mean, they let Mitchell Trubisky beat him up, in a, in a sense. So, um Overall, you got to be happy with that. One thing, and it's not just the Lions. I just saw it with the Lions here is I hate the fade route play on like third down and goal from the one or two. Like I just don't – it's not successful enough. Like the rate is not high enough for me to want to do that. I would much rather like to even be be in the shotgun, spread it out, get the DBs and the safeties out of the box – and then run it. Like, I'm fine with that. Or do some slants. I, I mean, Galladay's a huge body. Uh, Marvin Jones has been showing that he's beating guys on slants and in routes. I just didn't understand that earlier in the game. Um, and then another thing that Austin and I have spoke about a few times, but I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast, and there was like a perfect example of it in this game, is if a team scores, <clears throat> say they're up by one, and they end up – Getting a touchdown, obviously six points, puts them up by seven. At what point is it smart to go for two? Um, for me, I say anytime you're in the second half. Uh, I don't know what Austin's opinion is. We'll have to ask him next episode because we haven't really dove into that. But I'm, I'm just like that believer in if you have a chance to go up two scores, you have to take that chance. Because if you don't, then you're up by seven. Like, no big deal. You're still up by a touchdown. Obviously – if you get the extra point, now you're up two. Now if they score, they, ha- they have to go for two. But why I'm asking this is because they still missed the extra point anyway, so they ended up only going up seven. So when they scored, I was like, you got to go for two, got to go for two. Like try to put this to a two-score game. Like put that pressure on Jeff Driscoll, who's now, now all of a sudden if he's getting the ball and he knows he has to go down and score twice, a lot more pressure than, hey, I just need to have one solid drive. I need to drive it down here score and then worry about a two-point conversion so for me that's my belief that's my philosophy on how i would want my teams to handle things um 
I think that's about it for this game. Uh, let's move on to <coughs> – this game will be quick. The Ravens versus the Bengals. Uh, 49 to 13 was the final of this game. Uh, a lot of starters didn't play in the fourth quarter for the Ravens, including Lamar Jackson, who had the dirtiest spin move ever in this game on a 47 yard touchdown run. Uh, Lamar, he, for me, he moved into second place in the MVP voting with this game. I think that right now, if I had to guess, I would say Russell Wilson is the front runner right now, and Lamar Jackson, I think, has put himself put himself in second place ahead of Deshaun Watson and then Christian McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey, obviously, because his team keeps losing, like he's going to just be pushed out of this. So it's going to be a three man race, and it's all going to be quarterbacks. So it's just what which one of these guys are putting up the best numbers with playoff teams. Uh, really, probably all three of them are playoff teams, and it just then it will really come down to numbers. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, <clears throat> Finley, who started his first career game with Cincinnati, he played all right, 16 for 30, had a touchdown and an interception, a bad interception, pick six to Marcus Peters in the red zone. Uh, so you hate to see that. Um, but again, a rookie fourth rounder? I think he was a fourth rounder. Um you kind of expect these type of mistakes to happen. So you, you take it and, you know, just move on from it, help him grow. And I, I think that's what Zach Taylor is trying to do, right? How does he recover? How does he answer of adversity like that? Is he going to be our guy moving forward? I think the clear answer is no, and they're going to be the number one pick, and they're going to end up taking Joe Burrow from LSU, who is also probably cal- uh, catapulted himself into – the number one overall pick, I would say, above Tua, who his ankle injury just – he gutted it out. He, he's tough as nails. You love to see that. But uh, I would not take Tua with a top ten pick. If I, if I was a GM looking for a quarterback, I just couldn't feel comfortable with a guy that's two-year starter both years missing games because of an ankle injury. It's, it's hard to do it. A lot of people say this, you're hurt in college, you're going to be hurt in the NFL, um, especially if it's an ankle injury as a quarterback, it, hard to recover from that. Um, but we'll dive more into the draft here later once Austin's back. Um, with the rest of this game, Mixon looked like the Mixon of 2018 this game. Had 100 and, I don't know, 140 yards or so um, altogether. He he was just taking pressure off of Finley, I thought. But given the game also was a blowout, so uh, that's also hard to really see. If, was he just getting a lot of yards just because the defense was starting to relax a little bit? But uh, I did like to see that. This team is really weird in the sense of, they're probably going to end up with the number one overall pick because all the other one-loss teams just won this weekend. Um, so they have, a, they have a good advantage there. But I feel like this team has talent in, in areas that like a lot of times I'm like, oh, man, they need, these teams need to help everywhere. But they obviously need a quarterback. They obviously need another offensive lineman, but their first-round pick this year ha- hasn't played yet. So you got we got to remember they're going to have a new offensive lineman anyways. So 
let's say they get um, quarterback in the round one, running or let's see, linebacker round two, and then you start helping the defense with all your other picks. I I like this defensive line. Their linebackers need help. Uh, DBs are hit and miss. They're just injured a lot. So help the linebackers, help the DBs. The D-line is getting old, so you can kind of take some flyers on guys, see if you can get anybody to hit there. But if you can keep A.J. Green, convince him somehow, some way to stay in Cincinnati, I could see this team improve quite a bit just in one-year turnaround. I could see them going from number one overall pick to a six-win team, seven-win team next year just by improving these obviously key pieces, but they have pieces around them is what I'm getting at. And so um, Cincinnati is a team that I'll be very interested in in watching the offseason, see how they recover. Um, Obviously there's some rumors that they're just owner and everything. They just, they cut corners everywhere. So they're probably going to end up staying where they're at, but I also believe, Hey, maybe they make a change and maybe they improve here. I mean, maybe they're sick and tired of seeing all the other teams in their division do well. Um, Cause a lot of their actually everybody else in their division won this week. Uh, and that moves on to our next game, which is the Cleveland Browns versus the Buffalo bills and Cleveland won 19 to 16. <laughs> hey, I'll be the first one to admit it here. I was wrong on this game. I said that Buffalo was going to just bully them, just bully the shit out of Cleveland. Uh, and, one to what? It was kind of the other way around. Uh, the offensive line just dominated the defensive line of the Bills. Uh, so that was awesome to see for Cleveland. I mean, that's got to be a huge confidence builder for them. And the combination of Hunt and Chubb is just going to be deadly. They used what Freddie Kitchen did with Hunt was amazing t- today. It was awesome. So, Browns fans, you got to be very happy with the way that happened. Um, you also have to be happy with knowing if Baker would have hit one of those deep routes with OBJ, which he was like a yard off on like two or three of them. You hit him in stride one time, he's gone. This game could have became a blowout. I mean, you could have got up two scores and would have had Josh Allen having to force throws and they couldn't have, they would have gotten out of their game plan. It could have gotten ugly. So, I mean, you're a yard or two away Cleveland from just dominating this game. I mean, you obviously you're all happy that you just won this game, but you really had that chance to just blow everybody out of the water show what everybody thought you guys were going to be here. So, I mean, obviously it sucks that didn't happen, but you have to be happy that like, that's where you're at. Um, one thing that was I was yelling at my screen. I, I usually on Sundays I usually just lay back and just watch games, but I was like standing up and like yelling at my TV at Freddie Kitchens uh, when Cleveland was what was it first quarter? They were in inside the ten yard line, have all these chances. They end up having like seven or eight plays of first down and or uh, goal to go situations and. They just kept doing these weird pitch plays to Chubb rather than just handing it off and just letting him go at it. Like they pitched it on first down, second down, and fourth down, and they lost yards on all of them. And they ended up having to go for it on fourth down, didn't get it, 
which was another thing that upset me. You're up 6 nothing. Just take the three points. You're going to go up two scores. With the way your season's going right now, you just need to get this defense in a situation where you have the lead, which you haven't had very often this, this year. <clears throat> it's not like you were down 6 nothing, and it's like, hey, we're having a bad year. Let's try to score a touchdown to take the lead. You already had the lead. Just take the two-score lead. It, that just didn't make any sense to me. Um, from the Bills side, Josh Allen just needs a big-bodied wide receiver. He's using Dawson Knox, the tight end, as that right now, and it's doing well, but Knox is just not the athlete that you need catching the ball in that situation. You need somebody that can turn up the field and really go. So don't be surprised if – the Bills end up in free agency or in the draft, end up going after a big-bodied wide receiver. They're just not going to be able to survive with guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley as their top threats. Uh, it was funny, like, watching that game, you kept hearing, oh, that receiver, that's his first catch of the year, or, oh, that's his second catch of the year. Like, that's that's Buffalo right now because they're just throwing guys in there, just, just trying to find something that sticks besides those two that I mentioned before. But – um, so they desperately need that. Um, they desperately need to just give Singletary the ball more. He only had eight carries all game. In a game that was so close and really a field position game at times, you would have thought that Singletary would be getting 15 to 20 touches. Not necessarily carries, but touches overall. And that just didn't happen. And weird game plan for me. They went for fourth a few times, which just didn't make sense to me. Um, I felt like they were giving the Browns just better field position than what they had to. The end of the game, that was really weird. That like that they it looked like they were gonna go for it, and then they end up calling the timeout, and then they kick the field goal and miss it to try to tie it. Uh, their kickers missed something crazy, like seven in a row now of over fifty yards. Uh, Hauschka, the old Seattle kicker, is who that is. Um, it's weird to see that type of stat from a kicker that used to be like automatic when he was with Seattle. So that's weird. This last episode, we talked about Hunt, Kareem Hunt. How was he going to get involved? And how many touches was he going to get? We did a couple over-unders, right? We did, we started at five and then we went to 11 and then ended up around, we said about probably about seven or eight was the exact number. He ended up getting 11 touches. And he ended up having seven catches, and they used him well. I really liked it. They got him into open field, kind of giving him the option of just just reading a block and just going. And you could tell that he was gassed um, on a couple drives where he was in more than Chubb. He would come onto the sidelines, be on a knee. You could see him breathing hard. And, hey, that's just part of it, right? You haven't played all year. I mean, it's been basically a full year since you've played – actual football so you're gonna expect that condition will get better and obviously Chubb's still gonna be the guy but if Kitchens is smart he watches Matt LaFleur's offense of the Green Bay Packers and he says this is our offense now Devontae Adams is OBJ you got the two running backs in Jamal Adam or sorry Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones that's our two running backs they they got another wide, a uh, couple wide receivers like MVS and Allison. That's going to be our our Landry, and we're going to just go with that. Um, 
we we've said this multiple times. A lot of people say it. Uh, copycat league, run that type of style of offense, and this is going to be a very successful team moving forward. Um, I just those two are just so dangerous. Chubb and um, Hunt. Sorry, brain fart there. Chubb and Hunt are just, they're going to be just so dangerous that it's going to be fun to watch moving forward. Uh, and then is this a confidence builder game for Baker? Does Baker turn the corner is my biggest question. And I almost have this gut feeling that the way Baker is me- mentally, it is like he drove the team down to score, win the game at home, right? When everybody had finally, like everybody now had closed the door last week, right? After they lost to the Broncos, like there were still a few people that were like holding that door open. They all closed it last week. And now, now Baker can finally play that underdog role that he's been wanting to all year, but it just didn't make sense because everybody was on that bad wagon. Now everybody was finally off of it. Start playing it. Who knows? Maybe Baker goes on a little bit of a hot streak here, wins them a few games that we just didn't expect. Maybe not, though. It's really hard to say, but I, I could see it happening. Um, I, and, I, and I hope he does. I, I'm not happy with how much all the sophomore quarterbacks are struggling, him and Darnold and all of those, and obviously Rosen, um, Lamar, the exception there. But I don't like that they're all struggling. I really enjoyed last year when all of them were playing well and all ex- succeeding and whatnot. So uh, we'll see, though. I still don't like his attitude, but, hey, hope that he does well. Uh, let's go to the, sh- the stunner of the day. And that is the Saints versus the Falcons. The Falcons win 26 to nine, completely ruin New Orleans' amazing or Louisiana's amazing weekend of, hey, we beat Alabama. We're going to beat the Falcons because they suck. And both teams coming off a bye, and the Falcons just steamroll them, man. Last episode, I was like, this is the lock of the week. There's no way that the Saints don't win by 13. And that's why you don't bet on games when teams are coming off buys. I usually stay away from that. And, uh, hey, nothing like the Falcons just screwing me again, right? Like, you guys screwed me on my overall season bet with you guys. Now you're going to screw me on this weekly bet. Fucking Falcons. Drive me up a wall. But um, the biggest thing when I was watching this game was every time, I'm like, why is Kamara not getting carries? Why are you not giving him the ball more? And they were – they were throwing it to him. He ended up with like eight receptions, but he only had four carries all game. And I know that you got down, but even early in the game when it was still a one-score game, and I mean, fuck, the, the Saints have been down multiple scores before and still been like, hey, run first team. Let's just go down and score. Our defense is solid enough. We'll stop you, and then we'll go down and score again. Plenty of opportunities. So <clears throat> is the, I guess the main question is, is Kamara still just not healthy, healthy enough? They don't feel comfortable giving him the 15 to 20 touches. Maybe he's just not going to be that guy until the playoffs now. Maybe they try to keep him at that 10 to 13, 10 to 14 touches per game. Let Murray be that other guy and get more work. But Murray is not going to be what Ingram was. I know that Murray's had a couple good games when Kamara's been out, but when they're together, Ingram was fantastic and I just don't think Murray can be that guy Murray is a to me is the guy that has to either have the full work work, workload or nothing at all 
That's the way I see it. Um, so that's always that's going to be interesting to watch. I still think the Saints are number one. Uh, sorry, number two team in the NFC behind the 49ers, and uh, they're going to have a home game in the playoffs, and they're going to obviously be a tough out. Uh, question is, do they have a heartbreaking loss in the playoffs again or not? But nothing for Saints to worry about. A tough loss team just didn't show up and you know Dirk Cutter kind of just knows how to beat that Saints defense he did it very well with Tampa Bay when he was the head coach there and now he's just doing it at Atlanta there's just he knows what holes to pick of that defense and I mean to go back to that the Saints had basically no pressure all game the Atlanta offensive line played well it was almost like hey the us investing our first round picks in this is finally paying off. Um, and then on the opposite side, I mean, Grady Jarrett had an amazing game for the Falcons. He ended up having two sacks. Uh, the team altogether had six sacks, but the interior pressure was making Drew Brees move to left or right a little bit. And then that's when the edge rushers were getting to him as well. Vic Beasley had a couple sacks. So, the game plan defensively was great. It was almost like Dan Quinn was like, well, know what? I've heard it for weeks now that I should be fired. I'm a defensive-minded guy, and I can't adjust. Let me take this bye week to sit back, understand what's going wrong, and fix my defense. And do I think that the Falcons are just like going to be the Falcons that I thought they were going to be? No, I still think they're going to be a trash team at the end of the year. I think they only win another couple games this year. They probably win two more probably screw themselves out of the top five pick, but they're still in the top 10. But um, it's a big division game for him. And this is a rivalry. And we should have thought about this more last week. I, I We kind of just like poo-pooed the game because the Falcons have been so bad. The Saints have been so good. But you can't, you can't do that in the NFL. Like everybody can beat anybody. And I mean, we're going to talk about, talk about that in here in a second. So um, don't, don't ignore games, I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, let's go to the next game, which is the Giants versus the Jets. This game was fun to watch. I watched every single play of this game, and the Jets end up winning this game, 34-27. And my first question as I'm watching this game is, how is Greg Williams going to convince another head coach that he is a good defensive coordinator and deserves to be their defensive coordinator next year when he's not the Jets' defensive coordinator. You know he's going to convince somebody, and they're going to be like, yeah, you're right. You should be my defensive coordinator. He's trash. He's so bad. Like, he, wasn't, he hasn't been good in years. I mean, he, was, he wasn't even good. I mean, with the Saints, sure, their, team, their defense was all right, but they were fucking bounty hunting. They were just going after quarterbacks' heads. Like then just paying each other for who could injure who. So sure, yeah, you can be good when you're dirty as fuck. But side topic, we'll talk about that later. Um, the way I see it is the Jets put too much eggs in one basket on Mosley. This defense just can't stop anybody, and they've played better when Mosley has played. Obviously, it's only been like two and a half games and one of them, they actually did get destroyed by the Patriots, but almost everybody does. But start of the year, they, he played very well against the bills and the team is just better, obviously with him on the field, but 
now that he's gone, they have a lot of money invested in him, and they don't have anybody else that can take his place. So that's rough to watch on the, on the Jets' defense because that combination of him and Jamal Adams will be nasty moving forward once he is healthy. Um, and, and Williams, their number three overall pick as well on the defensive line, one in each spot, which is great. Uh, Herndon came back. He's, he looks to finally be healthy. Suspended the first couple weeks, missed the next couple weeks for injury. This is his second game back, but he played a lot more this week than he had the previous week. Still only had a catch or two, but you could tell that Darnold was looking at him on a lot of routes, end up being covered, so Darnold would just look off of him and go somewhere else. But um, he's going to be his safety blanket moving forward in this offense. Uh Honestly, something that I thought Le'Veon Bell would be would be uh, as a safety blanket, but Darnold just doesn't look to pass to the running back. He just doesn't. Darnold wants to push the ball down the field, which is what I love to see. Uh, I don't want to see a young quarterback just dumping it off all the time. So as much as that sometimes gets him into trouble with all of his interceptions, uh, I would I, I prefer the aggressiveness from a young quarterback. Don't make it a habit throwing it into triple coverage or whatnot, but don't be afraid to try to thread the needle sometimes. And he didn't t- today. He, he made all the right reads. It felt like I just, every time I was like, good job, good job, good job. So he played very well. Um, Demarius Thomas from the graves, man. I thought he was done in Denver ends up going to the Patriots and to Houston and just didn't do anything with either of them comes here He's always every week. I feel like he's leading the team in targets. He and he's playing well. He he looks fresh, even off of the Achilles injury from two years ago, or was that last year? I can't remember. Last year, two years ago, I can't remember. But uh, I kind of thought he was done. He he was already slowing down, and then you have an Achilles injury. But hey, good for Darnold for finding him and, and Crowder. Crowder's just like that. That twitchy slot guy is just so dangerous in the NFL, and Crowder's plays that role very, very well. Uh, him and Darnold clearly have a friendship that uh, they just get each other. It's like wavelengths are just great there. Uh, moving on to no, one last thing on the Jets. Robbie Anderson seems to be that like number four weapon on their team now, and. If he's not going to be your like number one or number two, why didn't you just trade him? I mean, there's rumors that you're getting offered a second round pick for him. If you're not going to utilize the guy, get a second round pick. I mean, you have a lot of holes to fill, Jets. And if you think for the next couple of years, next year, two years, it can be guys like DT and Crowder and you can find a guy later in the rounds to fill in this Robbie Anderson role. A second round pick is a steal for you. So that's, that's always strange to me when teams don't trade guys and then don't use the guys to their full potential. That's strange. Uh, let's move to the other side. The giants, Daniel danger zone Jones. Um, hello, four touchdowns and 300 yards passing. No interceptions did lose. A fumble. He fumbled it three times, actually, but he only lost one. But he played well, and he played well with the running game not getting going, which 
is a bit of a surprise to me. When I thought he would have a good game is because Saquon gets going and then the play action opens up and then Jones can start using his legs and all of that. But Saquon, 13 carries for one yard? I mean, he, he literally didn't do anything. And it was all Daniel Jones. He played great. Again, Jets defense, it's horrible. So don't be expecting this from Daniel Jones every single week. But also, hey, danger, dan, I almost said danger zone. Danger zone Jones played well even against bad teams. Like you want to see that. Like take advantage of who you're playing. So that was great to see. Um, Slayton and Tate just dominated the defensive backs of the Jets. Uh, those guys had four touchdowns combined between the two. They both had two each. Uh, both had Slayton had well over 100 yards. Tate was right around that 100-yard mark. They were just getting open whenever they wanted. So that was good to see. It was also very fun why I watched a lot of this game is because both teams just were just suffocating each other's running back, saying Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley are not beating us. Let's see who can win without – their stud running back doing anything jets end up pulling it out uh the finishing score was a Le'Veon bell touchdown but it was off of a short field so nothing to you know go home about just cheering about how amazing Le'Veon bell played but um yeah bell what did he have 18 carries for 34 yards it, it wasn't a great performance from him because they were just trying to bottle him up but again you get into the end zone to win the game. You got to be happy with it as a Jets fan, or maybe you don't. Maybe you wanted to lose for draft pick purposes at this point. Uh, you might have screwed yourself out of a couple picks, but I mean, every year it feels like the Jets just have somebody coming to them, dropping to them in the draft. I mean, every every year Jamal Adams has, uh, Leonard Williams has, Sam Darnold did. Uh, Quinn and Williams this year fell to him. It, man, it just happens for the Jets. So good for them. Uh, let's move on to an afternoon game, which is for me, I think was probably the funnest game of the day. And that's the Bucks and the Cardinals. Bucks pulled out 30 to 27. And this game had all sorts of emotions. Uh, first off, congratulations to Kyler, Kyler Murray, who ended up having the record for most consecutive passes without an interception in their rookie year. Uh, Minshew actually did have it at one point at 163, and then Kyler was at 183, I think, or 177, somewhere in that 170 to 180 range. Uh, ended up getting picked off. Uh, I love that. Cliff Kingsbury after the game was like, no, that play was on me. It was a trash play call. I, I set him up for failure. Like we shouldn't have done that. My bad. And then Kyler was like, no, it was a great call. I thought, I thought my pass was perfect. I thought no way in hell he was going to get there. And he ended up making just an amazing play. He's like, that's the NFL. These guys make amazing plays, even when you think you're safe. So um, I thought it was great for the coach for backing up his young quarterback, but I also thought it was great for Murray just saying, Hey, like, I thought I made an amazing play, and the defensive back just made a better play. And, I mean, that's just going to happen. It's the NFL. These guys are all great athletes, and they're all very smart and do their homework. So uh, I, I love that interaction after the game. Uh, we've talked about this numerous times, but I'll, but I'll bring it up again. 
this Cardinals offense can be successful without David Johnson. If you can trade him and get a second round pick this offseason, you have to do it because this team with Drake and with Edmonds, like they can be successful without David Johnson. Um, between the two quarterbacks, we were at just under 700 passing yards. I think it ended up at 674 passing yards all combined. And that's why the game was so fun. Like there, there was just yards everywhere. Um, Kyler Murray finally learning how to throw the deep ball in the NFL. I, he, it took him a little bit learning, Hey, I have to throw this a little bit different than I did in college. And he hit Christian Kirk multiple times, Christian Kirk with three touchdowns, uh, two of them on deep passes to him. So you got to, if you're an Arizona fan, you have to love the way that Kyler is growing and he won awesome he's gonna win me a lot of money in my bet that I made for him over 3200 passing yards he will easily get that so that's great um but just as a Cardinals fan you have to just be happy with his progression and you're gonna have to be happy with Kingsbury and what he's doing again the way that they're changing their formations that's awesome um Andy Isabella, they need to get him more involved. The last two weeks, he's had big, big plays. Uh, he's the speedster. They need to get him involved. Um, but Christian Kirk's going to be that guy. Like this year, this year it is Christian Kirk and it's Larry Fitzgerald. And like ride those two as long as you can. Hit the running backs out of the backfield. Uh, they're going to cause problems later in the year for teams fighting for a playoff spot and they're going to knock a couple teams out. I could easily see that. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that I did notice was Kyler Murray's got to learn how to get the ball out quicker in situations that he was in today at the end of the game. Right. So bucks give uh, Arizona the ball back. I think it was like 27 seconds left, give or take a couple seconds and Arizona has no timeouts left. So you got to just, find ways to even if you hit him in the middle field so you can get up spike the ball but like those plays have to be quick and he was just holding on to the ball way too long uh back-to-back -back plays his elbow gets hit when he's throwing it it's fluttering up there they both end up as incomplete passes but it just wastes extra time and extra time and you got to be able to hit either guy on the sideline get it out of bounds quickly or if you're going down the middle of the field or a deeper route you can't just sit in the pocket and scramble around waiting for somebody to get open because you don't have that time. It's so you gotta you gotta just be moving quick, quick, quick. Um, and that comes with just I think experience more than anything. So I I have full confidence Kyler will do that. Um, I mean it wouldn't be an NFL week without a referee call that you're just like uh, I don't know Jim it's a little questionable. Uh, that was pass interference on the last play by the Bucks. Uh, how they didn't call that, how they didn't review it is pretty embarrassing. I mean, sure, if they don't call it, like the way that the ref was from behind, like, I could see that, but it was very obvious, and you could see it on television from the first second it happened on first play. So that, that's the type of time, the play that is supposed to be reviewed and overturned. Like, that's when you're supposed to change it. Like, game-changing plays, less than two minutes left, right? Like, this is the same situation in the NFC Championship game. Given this is a regular season game with two teams that aren't making the playoffs, but it doesn't matter, right? Like, that's the point of this. Like, every game matters 
for everybody. So how you miss that and how you don't go back NFL and change the call. Oh, big time. Yikes. Big time. Yikes. Um, Arizona this off season, they got to just fix their defense. I, I honestly think they have enough weapons on offense. Uh, defensively though, they need to fix it. They're just so bad against the tight end too. They let OJ Howard get loose a couple times at the end of the first half. Ended up, he ended up with like 50 yards and a touchdown. So it wasn't like a crazy game, but that final drive right before the half, he had three catches on that drive for like 35 of his yards and a touchdown. The touchdown, he was wide open. I don't know what Byron Murphy, the rookie out of Washington, was doing. Like he was shading him on the inside and just completely gave him the outside. But it wasn't like, a couple yards to the outside. It, he was almost like on the hash line. Like he gave him like 10 yards on the outside. Uh, Howard literally just jogged and then turned around and just caught it. Like it was, it was a weird defensive play. You almost like wonder what the fuck he was thinking. So hate to see that. Uh, a guy that we didn't talk about for most improved player is Ronald Jones. But honestly, he might deserve it more than anybody. That dude was invisible last year, and people were calling him the, one of the biggest busts last, last year's draft. Uh, Second-round pick out of USC, and he's been awesome this year. He's stolen the job from Peyton Barber. I know Peyton Barber still got in the end zone tonight, but he literally stole it from him. So that was great to see. Uh, Tampa Bay's linebackers played amazing defense today. I thought that I was really impressed with the way they were covering guys. So that was awesome to see. And then watching JPP play and put pressure on Kyler Murray was fun to watch. JPP just looks like a monster giant next to (laughs) Kyler. It was super fun to watch though, but seeing JPP out there again is was great. Um, obviously, with uh, his car crash this offseason, there's a lot of rumors that he wasn't going to be able to play this year. So, I mean, always thankful to see that happen, make sure it wasn't anything. Obviously, it was serious enough that he missed the first eight games, but it wasn't career-threatening. So, uh, awesome seeing him back out there. Let's move to the next game. Uh, this is actually the game I probably watched the least of, but – Obviously, with it being a division game, and still paid attention to it, and that's the Dolphins and the Colts. And first off, again, I've been saying the Dolphins are going to accidentally win two games this year. That's number two, folks. They won't win another one. They will not win another game. But good for them. Two in a row, showing that they're not giving up. Maybe they're showing, hey, these young guys are growing, and now we still got all these draft picks. We're only going to be better start looking out, but you're still going to need a quarterback. You're still going to need stuff, but Hey, I mean, the way that uh, kind of how I started this off with Tua him dropping down. I mean, if you love Tua, he might be available at pick four, five, six, seven, eight, where you're picking. So good for you there. Um, Marlon Mack. I, I know I accidentally called the other Khalil Mack, Marlon Mack earlier, but uh, it's because this was on my mind. I w- I'm shocked that Marlon Mack only had 19 carries. Y- you would have thought that with this game being so low scoring, <clears throat> always a one score game, basically for majority of the game, you would have thought that they would have tried to grind that out without Brissett in and with Hoyer 
really struggling. You would have thought that they would have rode it on the Marlon Mack train a little bit more than what they did. So that was a bit of a surprise to me. This Colts passing game, they just need another weapon. When T.Y. Hilton's not there, like you kind of feel like this team doesn't have any true playmakers. Uh, Paris Campbell's obviously out as well, but <coughs> he struggled this year. Uh, Pascal, he played well. Pascal, you know, he he's great. But he's like the perfect, like, low-end wide receiver two on a team. Like, you don't want him being your number one. So, uh, really interested to see what the Colts have in all the money that they have right now available. Do they make a move for a wide receiver this offseason? Try to give them another weapon with T. White Hilton. Uh, so that's uh, that's very interesting for me. Uh, Leonard, the linebacker, uh, obviously rookie of the year last year, was an all-pro last year, led the team in tackles last year. Or, sorry, led the league in tackles last year. I don't know if I said league or team. Uh, he finally looks healthy. He was banged up at the first start of the year, missed a couple games, but led the team in tackles. And every time I turned this game on, he was – getting another one I think he ended up having 11 or 12 tackles this game and he he's fun to watch if you're like into defense and you just like want to watch a guy just running around and like making plays left and right Darius Leonard is the guy to watch out of anybody in the NFL he he's awesome he is very good and I hate that he's on a division rival because I really like him um and next week I get to watch him probably light up Leonard Fournette a few times uh, with the Colts-Jags game. But overall, <coughs> excuse me, this game was just sloppy. Five turnovers altogether. There were only two touchdowns. It was a Fitzpatrick uh, 11-yard touchdown run and a Jack Doyle one-yard touchdown reception. So tight end one-yard reception and a 40-year-old old man running it in for me 11 yards so everything else was field goals um if you like points and like touchdowns this was not the game to watch uh let's move on to the next game which is the kansas city chiefs versus the tennessee titans and uh i'm sure austin is gonna have plenty to say about this game plenty and he'll uh, i will give him his time next week or sorry next episode but for me, when I was watching this game, and he actually did text me one thing, and he was like, special teams cost the team this win. And I 100% agree. The snap on, the, on a field goal that was too early, they ended up having to throw it away, end up getting a, a penalty on it as well. Like, just, a, just double whammy there. But, like, why this long snapper snapped that right then when the, sna- when the holder clearly wasn't ready – was weird um hard hardman has he's done this multiple times this year but fair catching it and catching it inside the five like you wonder if they're finally they might just be like one know what we gotta just put hill back here even though it puts him in jeopardy of getting hit more but like he doesn't make these rookie mistakes that hardman's making or maybe they just finally tell hardman you put your feet at the 10 yard line if you have to take a step back you just let it go um, which isn't always the right thing to do with the way that punters can really put spin on the ball anymore. But, I mean, you, you can't catch the ball on the three-yard line uh, as a fair catch. You just can't do it. And then, obviously, the blocked punt at the end of the game, which I know <clears throat> there's a lot of thing go- things going around. 
Was he offsides? Was he not offsides? When I look at it, he doesn't look offsides to me. It looks like he timed it pretty damn well when you when you do it in slow motion. So special teams wise, that's my opinion. Um, you got to clean that shit up, Kansas City. Your offense is amazing. If you can get your special teams playing very well, like how they did last year, you're going to be okay because your defense is still improved from what it was last year, and you were yards away from a Super Bowl last year. Like, just make sure those two are good. Your defense is it's growing and growing, and obviously it struggled to stop the run this year – or, sorry, this week, and it's got it. it has to improve. You can't be allowing 200 rushing yards – in a game like you just can't do that and think that you're going to be successful but I also think that Chris Jones is was just coming back so he didn't play every snap like how we're used to seeing him uh same with Frank Clark who's missed some time so they have some guys that just probably are not conditioned to play full full games anymore uh and they will over the next couple weeks get back into that conditioning but uh, it's still a worry though because they they struggled even at the start of the year when those guys were healthy. So improve that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes comes back, 50, 50 throws. Just first game back. Hey Mahomes, what? Fuck it, let's do this. Like it's your team. We all know that. Uh, reigning MVP. Let's let's make sure nobody forgets who you are. Uh, four hundred fifty. Well, four hundred forty-six technically passing yards. Three touchdowns. Love the th- the the jump pass to Hardman for the sixty-three yard touchdown. That was awesome. Uh, getting creative with the shovel pass to Kelsey. Love seeing that. Um, I kind of feel like we haven't seen that type of creativity from the Chiefs yet, and maybe that's just because they've never been fully healthy this year. There's only been one game where they've all been healthy and, until now. Like this was the first game, and you could even say that. Mahomes isn't fully healthy. Maybe next week you say, okay, now he's now he's 100% and we're ready to roll here. Um, so, but good for that. The Just the just lob pass and just let Tyreek run under it. That was awesome to see. Love seeing that out of uh, Mahomes and Hill. Uh, one thing I need to talk about is this load management situation. Uh, apparently, the Chiefs told – McCoy weeks ago that hey you're sitting out this game because of load management uh it's a planned game nobody had ever heard about this until today when he was inactive so if that's true or not I don't know uh is it because McCoy's fumbled it multiple times in the last few games I kind of think it's that and uh McCoy clearly doesn't help out in special teams like Thompson can so I think that's more of what it is but if you want to call it load management sure uh whatever uh, I, I, right when Will Damien Williams fumbled it and then Titans took it back for a touchdown, I immediately thought, are they regretting not having McCoy? Because the last couple of weeks when McCoy's fumbled it, it's been the Damien Williams show immediately. And it was like, okay, McCoy, you're not playing again. You drop, you put the ball in the turf. Like you're not helping our team win. We're not giving you another chance. You would have thought, if McCoy was there, would they do the same thing for Damian Williams? Obviously didn't have that chance, and they're not going to let Daryl Williams or Darwin Thompson be the workhorse guy, so they just kept rolling with Damian Williams, who ended up having an all right game, ended up averaging about four yards per carry, had a couple catches and whatnot. So uh, overall, pretty good game for him, but yeah, rough fumble. 
but honestly, may have lost them the game with how well that they were the other guys were playing. Um, the other guys being the Titans, that is. Um, but what else do I have for this game on the Titans side? Uh, Tannehill is probably winning himself a job if it's not with the Titans next year. It's probably with another team. We've talked about it on this uh, podcast a few times that the teams that miss out on the top two or three quarterbacks in the draft that still want a quarterback, there's going to be plenty avail- plenty of vets available for trading or that get released and you can pick them up. Tannehill might be one of those guys. Uh, another cap drop I could see this offseason is uh, Dion Lewis. Uh, he came in from the Patriots two years ago, got – Paid pretty well. He didn't even have a touch today. He was on the field for a few plays. I don't think it was much. I would say probably about 10 plays altogether. And but they just don't get him the ball. Uh Butler being out with going on IR, uh, that's hurting the Titans pass defense. Obviously, it's hard to judge it off of the Chiefs because the Chiefs are just insane speed. But missing Butler, you could t- you could tell that they were missing him there. Um but I think that's really about it on this game. I, I, I'll let Austin speak more to it, but my takeaway are is the Chiefs are going to be fine. Uh, the offense is rolling. They just need to improve that special teams, and the defense just clamp down on the run. Just clamp down on the run. The, over the, on the pass, you guys are doing pretty damn well. Um, nothing that's like too concerning there. It's mainly just against the run. So improve those things, but you got plenty of time. Um, but you want to have that improved by the time you play the Patriots, I think in week four, 13 or 14, when you guys play them, in about a month from now, you got to have that shit locked down or uh, the Patriots will 100% take advantage of that for sure. Uh, let's go on to the last few games here. And that is the Rams and the Steelers and the Rams struggled mightily uh pittsburgh ended up winning this game 17 12 uh goff just hey he ain't got it this year folks he did and i'll be the first to admit i thought he was i thought he was gonna be an mvp candidate um he just doesn't have it man he he really doesn't and i don't know what the offensive line is playing like garbage they're so bad they they're gonna just scrap out that whole offensive line i i, I bet they have three new starters next year and they're going to need it. Um, Gurley, 12 carries, zero catches, did get four targets, but that's a tough pill to swallow if you're paying Gurley what you're paying and you're only getting 12 touches a game from him. Like, something's got to change there. You either, by the end of this year or next year, you have to say, okay, we have to go back to him touching the ball more or we have to start reworking this contract because it, there's no way that this can work. No way this team can be successful doing that. Um, wide receiver-wise, obviously it's crazy that Cooper Cup didn't have a catch this game. Like, that's unheard of. Um, Woods had a pretty good game. Reynolds, he made a couple catches, but I don't think he – I don't know if he's necessarily the guy for a wide receiver four. But, I mean, he, he's fine. But – you're worried, like, what is this? Like, can those three be a good combination without Cooks if Cooks can't come back? Cooks was that obviously speedster, put the safety over the top type guy. Um, you kind of feel like that this offense needs another one of those. So it'll be interesting to see how that 
turns out in that situation. Um, Littleton, the linebacker for the Rams, is making so much money this year. It's crazy how well he's playing. He's a free agent after this year. Wouldn't be surprised if they franchise tag him um, with them trying to get Ramsey locked up. They're not going to have a ton of money, but you could probably franchise tag him for one year and then see what you can do. Um, but if you let him walk, he he's going to get ridiculous money. I, I'm talking probably C.J. Mosley type money, maybe a little bit less because C.J. Mosley just got ridiculously paid. But Littleton is playing fantastic. Um, moving on to the Steelers side, Mason Rudolph, man, I don't see it in him. I just don't. I mean, he's winning some games, so great for him. You love to see that, but I just don't see it. Like, there's always just that, like, factor where you're like, yeah, this guy's a baller. This guy can win games. And I, I just, it's weird. Like, every game's just ugly from him. Um, they desperately need James Conner back. This running game has not been going well the last couple weeks. Uh, but before that, it was on a roll with James Conner. So, uh, obviously, he has the AC injury, uh, shoulder injury, but he made don't want to rush him, but they do need him back. Luckily, with them still winning, they kind of can push that back as long as possible. But he's going to need to come back in the next week or two. Absolutely. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, this dude just scores touchdowns, apparently. Uh, another touchdown for him, and then another interception at the end of the game. So Minka Fitzpatrick, all of a sudden, just a steal for what the Steelers gave up. Who cares if it was a first-round pick? It's going to end up being – in the late teens at this point, like he's worth it. Absolutely. So good for him. Um, a guy that I wanted to bring up during our uh, pre or sorry, mid season awards that I didn't end up bringing up and I wish I would have. So I'm not bringing it up now, but I'm going to do it now. Anyways, TJ Watt, man, he is balling out. He had another couple sacks today. His bend is ridiculous. If you want to watch a defensive end with just like beautiful technique, TJ Watt is your guy. He is just, he's crazy. And he doesn't get a ton of tackles like a lot of other defensive ends do, but he's the guy that's making the game changing plays, the, the strip sacks. Uh, he has, I think, four of them now this year, forced fumbles, and he has an interception. And now he has eight sacks on the season. So, He's not, he's not even a top seven guy in sacks, but he's making plays when it matters, and he's forcing the ball out if it's an interception or fumbles or whatnot. So uh, I really like what I'm seeing from T.J. Watt, and I'm just liking what I'm seeing from this Pittsburgh defense. Ever since, they, ever since that Sunday night game against the Chargers, I think it was week four, I want to say. I think four. Um, they've basically been – one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's like, oh, this is the Steelers. Okay, so they have an amazing defense, and the offense just has to make a couple plays a game, and they're going to win games. That's basically the way they're playing right now, and they can because of this defense. Devin Bush at linebacker, TJ Watt, uh, uh, Hayward on the defensive line. You got Fitzpatrick. You got Joe Hayden still playing at a high level. They got weapons on the defense, and it's really slowing everybody down. So good for them on that. Love to see it. And then last two games for tonight, uh, we have the Packers versus the Panthers. Packers pull this out 24-16 at Lambeau. It's football weather, ladies and gentlemen. 
it is football weather. I love when it starts to get dark at night. You're watching football. There's snow in that game. You're nice and bundled up next to a fire, fucking drinking some whiskey, I, whatever you drink. I don't, I'm not going to judge. Whatever you drink. And just watching football. It's awesome. I loved it. I love once you get to around Thanksgiving time. And you really felt that. Um, so let's move on to the, the first news is the Cam Newton news. It's kind of broke the last couple of days. One, they put him on IR out for the year. But two, the rumor is, hey, they're going to look to trade him this offseason. We talked about it a lot in the offseason, a lot about how he should retire and how he was not. I even said, and Austin was a bit surprised. I said, Cam Newton will not be on the Panthers in 2020. And he was a little surprised. He thought he still had a couple more years, but then over time, as we talked, he was like, no, I actually kind of agree with you. And then it ended up kind of being the talking football thing that Cam Newton will not be on the Panthers in 2020. And we believe that he honestly probably should retire with the shoulder stuff that's going on. He loves fashion, go into that, uh, being on TV for commentary or like pregame stuff. Like he'd be very good at that. Like it just seems like a perfect transition for him. And he's still young enough where it just makes too much sense. Um, so there's that. Uh, the Packers, after a very, very bad game against the Chargers, they went back to the recipe that works. 50-50, right? Pass it 50% of the time, run it 50% of the time. Get Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones involved early and often. Aaron Jones, just doing what that man does, and that score touchdowns. Another three touchdowns today and another 100 yards. I think he had 93 rushing yards, and I actually don't think he had a catch, so I think he was just under 100 yards. But that's the recipe for them. And then you just let – it's scary to think that Devontae Adams will be your number two threat when he's – should be the number one threat, but like when he's in the number two and you're starting to get single coverage because teams are having to step up because of the threat of that run offense, man, this, this is going to be a hard out. This team is going to be a hard out in the playoffs because they get a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. They were obviously were making a lot of mental mistakes on that final drive, being offsides multiple times and giving that Panthers chances and chances, but man, I love their defensive backroom, young, hungry, scrappy guys in Alexander and King. Like those guys are just so much fun to watch. And then you have your pass rushers that are playing awesome. And Martinez, their middle linebacker. I think he leads the NFL in tackles. Like nobody even talks about this guy. And he's just, Hey, I'm quiet. I do my business. I shut down the run. Uh, also, I'll, I'll try to slow down Kirsten McCaffrey, given McCaffrey did his thing. Um, but he really did slow him down in the first half. McCaffrey had a very bad first half, second half, ended up exploding, had over 100 yards and another touchdown. Um, for the last play call, I don't hate it because you'd been passing it so much. You're one yard away. Um, McCaffrey's shifty. You'd think that he might be able to get in, but it's a tough thing, right? Like, cause you, you know, you don't have like, it's only one play. Like, so I guess it doesn't really matter if it gets tackled short. If you would have thrown an incomplete pass, the game would have been over anyways. But I mean, just passing it, you obviously have more options, right? Uh, if you hand it off, like that ball, that guy has the ball and he has to score, uh, ends up inches short inches. His offensive lineman tries to carry him up into the, 
um, into it, but into the end zone. But man, just inches short. It was clear that he was short, though. Even with when they tried to show the replay and Curtis Samuel's in the view, you could tell that he was short. So uh, that's tough to see. But Kyle Allen, he was making plays, just moving around in the pocket. He wasn't scrambling a lot, but just moving around buying himself some extra time and that's you can tell is coming with experience so if you're a Panthers fan you got to be pumped with Kyle Allen right now even with that loss you got to say hey I think we have something here and if you don't it's okay you guys still drafted Will Greer in the third round that you guys haven't seen yet obviously he's active and just being the backup right now but like if say Kyle Allen falls off a cliff like you still got to give Will Greer a shot so I still think you move on from um, Cam Newton I, you trade him for what you can get save the cap space get some draft picks uh, not a lot of not a lot of teams have three quarterbacks that you feel like could make plays in the NFL and the Panthers are one of those um, back to the uh, Packers, geez, brain fart there. Back to the Packers. Um, they for sure need to draft another wide receiver. Uh, Allison and MVS, those guys just aren't cutting it as the wide receiver twos. Given I know the play style of the Packers aren't giving them a lot of opportunities, but you still would like to see that. And uh, Chase Sternberger, the rookie tight end from Texas A&M, uh, started practicing. He's going to be active soon, and I'm excited to see him. He, he's a, a real athlete that they can use at tight end, use in the slot, and I think they probably see a little bit of Jimmy Graham in him, a, a young Jimmy Graham. So I'm very excited to see once he starts playing. So uh, that's exciting. And then the game that just ended right before I started this podcast was the Cowboys versus the Vikings. and Vikings end up pulling it out. Close game. They just did their job of shutting down Zeke. Shut down Zeke. Shut down Zeke. Let's make Dak beat us. And Dak damn well got very damn close. Like him and him and Cooper have a special bond, a special connection there. Uh, I'm I I might do a poll here. Who has the best like toe touch catches? Who's the best receiver in that? I mean, A.B. used to be amazing at it. Uh, Julio Jones is amazing at it. Amari Cooper is amazing at it. And I'm sure I'm not naming off even more. So maybe I'll do a, do a poll and we'll see what everybody else thinks. But Cooper had five or six just amazing catches. One for a touchdown, one of the play before that. Uh, the one that was backwards where he did toe touch almost with his heels before he went out of bounds. That was amazing. Uh, Randall Cobb played very well. And then for the Vikings, I mean, all they did was said, we're going to put in three tight end sets. We're going to have a fullback and we're going to run it down your throat. We don't think that your linebackers can get to us. We know our offensive linemen can just match your defensive linemen, which is strength versus strength there. And then it's tight ends and fullbacks just running straight at your linebackers. And that's what they did. And they were just pushing uh, Van Der Esch and Smith and Lee around. And um, Cook got to do basically whatever he wanted. So Cook went for 
I think just under 200 all-purpose yards, had about 80 receiving yards, 100 rushing yards, had a, had two touchdowns, I believe. He just – Cook is just playing awesome. He He's doing very, very well. I know a couple of weeks ago when Austin was by himself, he said that he thought Dalvin Cook was probably the best running back in the NFL. Uh, I still don't know if that's the case for – in my opinion, but he absolutely is top five might even be top three at this point, but he's playing fantastic. Uh, Hey, Kirk Cousins, congratulations, buddy. You won a big game. Uh, You haven't won a lot of those in your career, but you really stepped up. He played, he played a damn near perfect game. Um, In the second quarter, he overthrew Rudolph that, oh, looked like it was going to just be an easy interception and dropping just short. Uh, The last play of their offensive series when he overthrew Diggs, that was a weird, just a weird route. I don't know if Diggs ran the wrong route or if just he got pushed a little bit by the DB there, but um, Cousins clearly overthrew him by like 12 yards or something like that. That was Those were the two main throws that I was like, ooh, Cousins, bet you wish that one back. But other than that, he played great. The one-headed touchdown by Rudolph was amazing um, to start the game on their first drive. So that was fun to watch, but I can't wait for the end of the year to watch that NFC North with the Packers and the Vikings that that's going to be fun to watch. I know the Packers got them earlier in the year. I think it was week two or three. They got them and they got to play one more time. Vikings only one game back right now. So uh, I'm, I'm sure the Vikings are just, just punching themselves for letting that Kansas city game last week slip away. Cause if they didn't, it would be a tie. It would be tied up right there. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's it for me. I, I I'm going solo. I mean, that was a lot of talking. So I saw, I apologize if I was talking fast, I don't know. First time without Austin. So, Hey, you win some, you lose some, right. Um, he'll be back next episode. We're going to break down all of next week's games. And we're going to talk a lot about college. I want to start breaking down, what what needs to happen for every single team to get into the playoffs if you're in the top 10 what are the scenarios you need to do we'll we'll keep our Heisman talk going and I mean we're in November now so it's time to start talking about the draft already and I mean Austin and I are going to the senior bowl together so I'll be heading down there Alabama in January so that's only about five six I don't know six weeks away, seven weeks away, something like that. So it's going to be a good time there. Um, Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. And uh, tonight I've been talking to you.